life now but you have to understand who's on my side this situation might look bleak it might look dim but when you realize that the Lord is on your side you gotta realize that you're living your best life my God and something begins to happen in the character of somebody who walks knowing that they're living their best life who walks knowing that any day now I know my blessings on its way can stand here on a Sunday night and give God praise because I know I'm living my best life now and the world, the life that I used to live is nothing compared to living for God today. Let me tell you something. You ought to give God praise because you know he's faithful. You ought to give God some glory. I dare somebody to take about 60 seconds and if you believe you're to worry about what the enemy throws my way Ah, that's why when Joshua he went up and oh God 
<laughs> Joshua went up to battle and he met a man there standing with a sword in his hand. And he said, are you for us or are you for them? And he said, neither, but as the Lord of hosts, I'm here to win this battle for you. How many, can I tell somebody that God's waiting on you to get where you need to be? So that way you can go ahead and win the battle. God's already waiting for you. It's just up to you whether or not you're going to go take the steps and say, God, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take it. Amen. Ah, if you love the Lord, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Come on, somebody clap it like you mean it. Come on, lift your voice like you mean it. Shout like you mean it. Woo! Amen. Hey, you can make your way back to your seats. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and say, I love you. And you look great tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody turn to your neighbor, say, neighbor, you look so much better when you smile. Amen. Ah. Y'all can go ahead and have a seat for just a moment. I'm going to take my time. Amen. Thankful to be here. I'm thankful for all the things that God is doing. How many people excited for revival that's already here? Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for our wonderful bishop. Amen. How many people love your bishop? Amen. Amen. Bishop, I love you. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Amen. I appreciate it. I love you, Bishop. Thank you. First Lady, I love you. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Y'all give it up for First Lady. Amen. 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 She is my mom. If you do not know, I am the oldest child of the Williams family. I know we don't look similar, but you don't have to worry about that, okay? Amen. Thankful for my lovely wife who's sitting right before me. Amen. Amen. Babe, I love you. You look beautiful. Thank you for all that you do for me. I appreciate it. I love you. And I'm also thankful for every single one of you here. Amen. And my youth, I love you so much. Amen. Turn and, and clap for the person next to you. Be grateful for the person next to you. Amen. Amen. So God has been dealing with me about some things. And specifically, he's been dealing with me about two things. And this, what I bring to you, what I'm about to bring to you tonight is one of them. So, and to be honest, I'm being just completely vulnerable here. I thought that I struggled. I struggled with this word because I was like, Oh God, this is a youth service message. This isn't this isn't a Sunday night message. You know, it's it's for youth service. But this is what happened. I'm just gonna tell you how God speaks to me sometimes. One time, no, not even one time, two weeks ago on a Saturday, I got up and God told me, Go ahead and go cut the grass. So I didn't want to do it, and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go cut the grass. And I'm cutting the grass and I'm like 
three quarters of the way done and I'm like, man, I'm glad I, I cut this grass. It's early, I still got the rest of my Saturday left. And then God instantly spoke to me, not in a harsh way, and he says, you'll listen to me when I tell you to do one thing, but when I want you to talk about this, why are you fighting me on it? And I knew then, I said, all right, God. <laughs> How many people know you've been living for God long enough that when God really wants something, he really wants it, amen? He wants it to get done, amen. You could stand all across this house. I don't know how long I will be before you. And I'm gonna be going slow at first, so I don't wanna lose you either. So please follow along with me. We're gonna go to two portions of scripture. <clears throat> We're gonna go to Genesis chapter 37. Begin at verse number three. We're gonna to go to 1 Samuel chapter two. Genesis 37 and three, 1 Samuel chapter two. Amen. When you have it, say amen. Genesis 37 and three. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. Somebody say a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. 1 Samuel chapter 2. If you'll go with me there. Chapter 2 and verse number... I'm sorry, 18. 1 Samuel 2 and 18. I don't know why I said 2 and 3. But Samuel, somebody say Samuel, ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. And when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. I'm wondering for just a few moments, you could put your Bibles down and lift your hands in the air and pray with me. As we go before the Lord in prayer tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I worship you. You're the one true and living God. There's nobody like you. Jesus, I'm asking that you anoint my lips of clay tonight. God, help me, Jesus, to convey what you've given to me, Lord. God, I'm asking that you prepare our hearts. Let our hearts be fertile to receive this word. And God, we need you in this place. God, we're believing you for the miraculous. We're believing you for miracles, signs, and wonders. God, we're trusting you, knowing that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask or think according to the power that's within us. So God, would you help us today, anoint our ears to hear the word. And God, would you hide me behind the cross, Jesus. Let people see you tonight, God, and help us today, Jesus. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit. If you believe that, clap your hands and say in Jesus' name. Amen. And for just a few moments, I would like to preach to you a new coat for a different season. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, a new coat for a different season. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I love the Bible. Amen. <laughs> Hopefully everyone loves the Bible. Amen. There are many reasons to love the Bible. 
One reason I love the Bible is because the answers I need are in the Bible. Amen? Not the answers that I want, but the answers that I need. There are some, there are answers for how to deal with stress, being burdened, for needing direction, you name it. If your answer is not in prayer, it's probably in the Bible. Also, if your answers are not lining up with the Word of God, then that means God's probably not giving you the answers. You will not pray and say, God, I need a financial miracle. And you'll hear a voice, son, I want you to go and rob a bank. God will never tell you to go rob a bank. <laughs> one reason why I love the Bible, but this is one of my main reasons, is because everything in the Bible was done for a reason. Everything had a meaning behind it. An easy example is names. You didn't give a child a name or name a location because it sounded pretty. When the children of Israel escaped Egypt and they were in the wilderness and they came across a place to drink water, Pastor Sloss, they came and they were thirsty. However, the water was bitter. So they named that place Mara, which means, you guessed it, bitter. In the beginning, God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. And Eden means pleasure. And there was a river that flowed out of the garden and split into four different parts. The names are Pison, Gihon, Hidekel, and Euphrates. Pison means increase. Gihon means bursting forth. Hidekel means rapid. And Euphrates means fruitfulness. There's a reason why the garden was such a place of pleasure. Adam was not only walking in dominion and authority, but he had blessings flow through the entire garden. And the river that fed and watered the garden that he was taking a part of was increased. And that increase was rapid and it was fruitful and bursting forth. Whatever environment God creates for you is a good place, so you should probably stay there. When God creates an environment for you, it's not meant for you to just stay for a season and then leave. When, ah, Lord have mercy. If God has called you here and you're here under the sound of my voice, don't just think that you're here for a first time visit. I know it's a Sunday night, but let me tell you, this place is bursting forth with increase and fruitfulness. Amen. Amen. Not only naming locations was purposeful, but naming children was something that wasn't taken lightly. And they always had meanings behind them. God spoke to Abram and he said, you're no longer going to be called Abram, but Abraham, because you're going to be a father of many nations. And Abraham means a father of the multitude. Even those hard names that are hard to pronounce in the Bible. For example... <laughs> Sorry, I have to do this. Forgive me. In Isaiah 8 and 3, Isaiah names his son Mashur Shalal Hashbaz. Say that three times fast. <laughs> and you could say, why in the world was he named that? And his name means he has made haste to the spoils 
Because you have to understand, the, Isaiah, uh, the prophet Isaiah was living in a time where the Assyrians were coming to take the, it, the children of Israel away captive. So God instructed him. Rachel was giving birth, and the Bible says that she had a hard labor and was losing her life in the process. And before she died, she attempted to name her son Benoni, which means the son of sorrow. But Jacob, now named Israel, who understood being falsely named, stands up and says, your name will not be Benoni, but Benjamin, meaning the son of my right hand, which means the son of my power. You will be the son of my authority. Amen. You know, before, before I was living for God, there was names that I absolutely loved. Like my mom wanted to name me Brock, like the Pokemon trainer. Which I thought is a cool name. I don't know what it means, though, First Lady. But I'm definitely glad my name's not Brock. And there's other names. Now listen, I'm trying to tread lightly here. Because I promise you, I think your names are incredible, okay? Like one name that I love is the name Chanel. Oh man, it's a beautiful name. And if you're a young lady or an old lady or just a lady and your name's Chanel, your name is beautiful. However, the name Chanel just means a channel for water to flow through, right? Another name that I loved is the name Lincoln, like old honest Abe. <laughs> Lincoln, I absolutely love that name. However, after doing some research, I realized that Lincoln means a lake. So as much as I might love those names, there's gotta be some more purpose to those names, amen? Now trust me, if your name is those two things, and I won't tell you the other names that I've researched, your name is beautiful and amazing, amen? Amen. All right, where was I? In case, in some cases, a lot of cases actually, the way people dressed gave them some sort of identity. If you were to go with me to the New Testament, you would find a man by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. And Blind Bartimaeus was blind. But what they would do back then is he would have a specific robe so that when you're walking by the street, you can look at old Bartimaeus and say, ah, that's blind Bartimaeus. And you can do some research in the Old Testament and the high priests would wear something specific. They wore an ephod and a breastplate made of purple, blue, and scarlet, and gold. And... They had the ephod, which was an apron-like garment with two stones worn on the shoulders that were engraved with the 12 names of the tribe of Israel. The breastplate was made of gold that was to be decorated with 12 stones, and each stone represented one of the 12 tribes. They wore a linen girdle, linen breeches, the curious girdle, a linen robe, along with a couple of other things. But saying that to say, if you were to be in the camp of Israel and see a man dressed that way, you would understand that that is the high priest. That's the man that goes to God on my behalf. That's the man that goes to the holiest of holies on my behalf. When I offer my animal once a year, he's the guy that goes to the back and sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. 
People identified you by how you dressed. People knew if you were a high priest by how you dressed. People knew if you were a harlot by how you dressed. People knew if you were a soldier by, you guessed it, by how you dressed. People knew if you were a king by what you wore. Is this all right tonight? I promise I'm going somewhere. We don't realize it even, but we even have spiritual clothing. We put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to resist the devil. You wear things without you even knowing it. Amen. In our opening text, we see that Jacob loved Joseph more than any other son. So he made him a coat of many colors to represent that this is my favorite child. I have given him a coat that nobody else has. This coat will make him stand out from everyone else. When you walk down the street, you're going to be able to tell that's Joseph. When you go to the restaurant and see the man with the coat of many colors, you're going to be able to tell that's Joseph. Can I tell somebody that when you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you got a coat that the whole spiritual world can see. And let me tell you the color. It's the color red, baby, because the blood of Jesus. When you were baptized in Jesus' name, you, were, you put on a robe that the whole spiritual world can see that says, I'm set apart for God's purpose. Amen. Amen. The spiritual realm could look at you and say, that's a child of God. This is a child of the king. This is the person where they're saying they're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. This is the person who's walking in dominion and authority. And this is not my notes, but let me just say this. Sometimes we have a bad case of looking at people out in the world and say, well, how come they're not struggling? Can I tell you the enemy does not have to worry about the people that are in the world because they're already in bondage, but they have to worry about a child of God who's been set free and filled with the Holy Ghost because that means if you're free from sin, you can pull somebody else out of the fire. If you're free from sin, you can go and teach somebody a Bible study and they can get the revelation of Jesus' name baptism. Amen. Amen. Can I warn somebody that not only are you favored by God, but you also have a target on your back from the enemy. This coat not only made Joseph favored, but it made his brothers hate him. And if your brother or sister succeeds, you should not hate them. You're just next in line for your blessing. See, we get so caught up because you know what? Somebody's getting blessed here and somebody got a new car here. And why am I going through this? That's not the way you should be thinking about it. The Bible says I need to rejoice with them that rejoice. I'm glad my brother and sister's getting blessed. I'm glad that my brother and sister's walking in dominion and authority because that means I might be next in line. That means that my prayers are about to be answered because you know what, Brother Eddie? If God answers your prayers, that means God can answer my prayers. If God blesses your house, that means God blesses my house. If God lets you walk in dominion, that means I can walk in dominion. Amen. Clap your hands if you love the Lord. 
Amen. And the story continues as Joseph has a dream about his brothers bowing to him. And so, like any brother or any child of God that has an incredible dream or some promise on their life, they go and they tell their family. However, when Joseph told his brothers, the, they got even more mad. And then this is what they said. Are you going to reign over us? And let me stop right here and just speak to my youth or whoever else. You're all youth. You're a, children, you're a child of God, so you count. Can I tell you when the brother next to you gets promoted that you should not hate on them? When the brother next to you gets promoted, I know you grew up together, but when he gets promoted, that doesn't mean that you, you have to treat him in the place where he's at. He's in a place of authority. That doesn't mean you can just step over authority because you're friends with him. I was really good friends, still am, with some youth, it's none of y'all, that when I became youth pastor, well, even before Brother Matthew, we would me and this young man would hang out together all the time. And we got comfortable. He got comfortable with me. I got comfortable with him. But then I became the youth pastor and I tried to tell him, hey, you can't be doing this. And he'd go, ah. Don't worry about it, John. Don't worry about it, Johnny boy. Johnny boy. But you see, the thing is, is when you're doing that, you're coming against God's authority. Because the authority that I have is not by my own doing. It's by the authority that God gave me. So when you go against that authority, you're not going against the authority of me. You're going against God. And that's a scary thing when you decide to step over the authority because there's somebody close to you. It's a scary thing when you decide to step over authority because you know what? They're the same age as you. Baby, it doesn't matter if your college and career pastor is the same age as you and he says, hey, I don't think you should be doing that. You know what that means? Baby, you, ought to, you shouldn't be doing it. That means if you grew up with your friends your whole life, and your friend becomes a youth pastor and say, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. You shouldn't just say, ah, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll take care of it later. No, that's God that you're stepping over. That's God's authority that you're trying to throw away. It's a scary thing. Don't, don't mess with God's authority. Ah. Uh. You know, because here's the thing. Herod cut off the head of John the Baptist. He cut off the head of the man of God. And sometimes, nobody here, maybe it's for somebody streaming online. We don't want to hear what the man of God has to say. And we close him off. We cut his head off. And you know what? And then we go to Jesus. And we say, God, I need you to do something. And no wonder why you don't hear anything from God. Because when you cut off God's man, God says, I'm going to do the same thing that you did to my man. I sent him there on your behalf. I sent him there so that he can talk to you. I sent him there to give you a word. Lord have mercy.
how well can you handle your emotion when everything hits the fan? How well can you behave yourself when you're going through a season? Is your lip dragging on the ground or do you have your eyes looking up to the hills? Don't, can I remind somebody that your attitude determines your altitude? If you have a sour attitude, if you have a poor EQ, then that means you're not able to progress further. If you have a poor EQ and you can't handle yourself properly, if you have a temper tantrum, like a three-year-old, if, uh, if you have a bad day and decide that, you know what, I don't have to live these convictions because, you know what, I'm having a rough day. Let me tell you, you got a low EQ. You got to be careful. EQ is more important than IQ because you can be smart as a whip, but if you have a poor attitude, if you, have, if you can't handle your emotions, one minute you're crying hysterical, one minute you're laughing, one minute you're weeping, one minute you're angry, the next minute you're yelling at your friend, the next minute you're dapping them up, they're gonna call you crazy. I don't care how smart I am, I don't care how smart I, I, I am. I want a good EQ, amen, amen. So Joseph had a good EQ in this moment. I'm talking about, I forgot my title. <laughs> a new code for a different season. I changed the title like a bunch of times, so forgive me. So Joseph had a good EQ in this moment because he could have gotten upset by the hand that was dealt to him, but instead he worked and God prospered everything that he did. No matter what your situation, if you got a good EQ, you can push through it. And guess what? God can still prosper you in your rough days. God can still bless you in your tough times. Amen. So Potiphar saw this and promoted Joseph. Now Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh, so he had status. So when he promoted Joseph, he more than likely was promoted to a nobleman of Egypt. And noblemen in ancient Egypt usually wore typical Egyptian clothes, except they were given a robe or a coat that was made with about four colors. <laughs> uh, Lord have mercy. So you see, Joe, they were they were made with uh, they were made with yellow and red and blue and white. So you see this. Joseph gets promoted to this position and Potiphar gives him something he's familiar with wearing. He gives him a coat of many colors. And I can see Joseph putting the coat on and saying, my God, I know I've had some rough days, but God surely has been faithful to me because I know the coat was taken from me. But guess what? You devil, you can't do anything to take my coat now. Finally, after all this hard work, after what his brothers did to him, he's finally appropriately seen again by someone who's favored. And I can see him walking around the market, shoulders back a little bit, greeting people in the market. Hey, how you doing? Joseph. He had a coat. He felt like he was back home. But how many people know that's not the end of the story? So we fast forward 
we fast forward and we see that Potiphar's wife was eyeing Joseph and she wanted to have Joseph. So she goes and she tries to seduce Joseph and Joseph boldly declines. And as he runs away, the Bible says he dropped something that was familiar that affiliated Joseph with this thing. Can you guess it? The Bible says that he left his robe, his coat of many colors. So when he went, oh, Lord have mercy. When he went to Potiphar, when, when Potiphar's wife went to him, she said, look at the servant. And immediately he knew right there, that's Joseph. That's the one who I've given the coat of many colors to. And let me tell you, the enemy will try his very best to strip you of your identity and he'll try and strip you and say you mean nothing you're not a child of God you're nothing but a sinner you're nothing but a mistake but let me tell you that is not the case Lord have mercy can we lift our hands and pray right now I'm about to get to what I really want to talk about but I just want us to pray Lord in the name of Jesus God would you help us today come on church lift up your voice Lift up your voice with me for just a few moments. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for what you're doing today. Hallelujah. The enemy will try his best to destroy all the progress you've made in your rough seasons. Let me tell you that the enemy will try his very best to kick you while you're down and not only will he kick you while you're down he'll tell you that you mean nothing to God but let me tell you the devil is a liar amen and so Joseph gets thrown into prison some Jewish commentators pastor him and say that Joseph was only in Potiphar's house for little over than a year which means he was in prison for 10 years before he met the chief butler and baker. Can you still maintain a good attitude when you're in your prison? Can you still maintain a good attitude when you're at your lowest point and it seems like everybody's forgotten about you? Can you still have a spirit of excellence when you're bound up in a prison and you got chains on your feet and nobody looks at you any kind of way? When you're not special in anybody's eyes, can you still operate in the gifts that God has given you? And this is what I really want to talk about tonight. Can you still operate without your coat, Joseph, even though you're in prison? Can you still operate in the calling and the election that you're made sure of if you don't have your coat with you? See, a lot of us would get into a situation and we're stripped of our coat and we feel like we have no identity. We feel like we have no meaning anymore because the coat that I wore, the coat that everybody saw me in, I don't have anymore. So people look at me differently, but it doesn't matter because it's not about what I have on the outside. It's about what I got on the inside because I got the Holy Ghost and I got fire, baby. That's why I can walk into a Bible study and say, I know I might not look like anything special, but let me tell you about what God did. Can you still operate while you're in your prison? I'm going to come down for a moment. Those stairs scare me. Those stairs scare me. 
Can you still operate in the gifts that God has called you and God has gifted you? Because the gifts of God are given without repentance. Can you operate in your calling? Can you operate in the anointing when nobody's watching? Can you operate in a spirit of excellence? Can you operate with integrity in your spirit? If you're bound in a prison where you're getting no recognition, can you go and scrub a toilet when no one's around? Can you go and clean the church when nobody's here? Because you know what? It's not a... You know, when we go up here and when we shout and we dance, it's not for you. I don't come here and I don't preach my guts out. Well, it is for you. But I don't act crazy for you, Pastor Hammond. You know why? Because I look back and I think about all the great things that God has done in my life. And so you know what? I can't help but give him praise, Sister Ty Lynn. Oh, Lord, have mercy. See, something happens when you got the word on the inside of you. And when it goes from here down into your heart. Because you know what? You can strip me of my coat. But you can't take away what I feel. You can't take away what God did for me. See, we think... Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm just going to preach it how God just told me. We think because we get sit down by leadership that we can just go ahead and do whatever we want. That because I'm in leadership, I'm held to this high expectation But let me tell you, when you go home at night and when you take off that coat, God's still watching you. God's, you're not living for God, for bishop and first lady. Last time I checked, they didn't save you. Last time I checked, they didn't redeem you. Last time I checked, they didn't die for you. So why in the world would you come to the house of God and live a certain way and go out in the world and live a completely different other way? This is not my notes. I'm just following the Holy Ghost tonight. Is this all right? That's why the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It's like a drunk driver. Your perception is off. That's why you get in the car and you try to start and you realize, I'm trying to go this way. But because I'm not really living right on the inside, I'm starting to go this way. Can you operate in your gifts while you're still in prison? Can you sing? unto the Lord when no one's watching when it says God I don't care if we shout I don't care if we dance but God is for your glory I don't care what we do but God this is not about me it's not about how good I am it's not about how good I preach you know what it's about it's about me operating without my coat it's about me operating saying I know God called me for something greater I know God called me for something more Math, I'm gonna get my sweat rag. You see, what happens is, Jesus. You know, you know what this tells me? If you're coming to church, and if you're new, trust me. Just take what I take what I say for a grain of salt. I'm not talking to you, trust me. If you come to church 
and you look and dress and act a certain way and you go home and you're a completely different person if you come to church and you're the most friendliest person but out in the street in the grocery store you give people dirty looks and you look at people funny because they might be staring at you because you got long hair because they're looking at you because you got uh, and you go home and you're a different person you know what that tells me you think that this place is a show but let me tell you this isn't a show I'm not operating so that you can see I'm not doing this so that Lord have mercy. Jesus and if you know what if you go uh, Lord I'm first lady I'm so sorry I'm just it's what God's given me I'm so sorry you can deal with me later if anything and Bishop I give you full permission obviously if if you if you get sit down by leadership because you got some stuff in your heart and you realize that you say I'm going to use this as an excuse to live however I want and you and you forsake the guidelines of the man of God that tells me that it wasn't really here it was here that you just kept it as head knowledge to say I gotta make sure that no one's around so that way I can do what I want is this all right tonight I taught a chapel a couple weeks ago brother Oren asked me if I was gonna talk about this and it's about it was about sin and weight and saying all this to say, I got along uh, further in the chapel. I started talking about sheeps and goats, Pastor Hammond. And you see, I love how God refers to us as sheep. Do you want to know why? Because we're stupid. We're dumb. You're not dumb. I'm just kidding. You're not. But the sheep has no defense. The sheep has no way to defend itself. And so the sheep realizes that the guidelines set by the shepherd are there not to hold me back, but to actually protect me. And then you have the other side, which is the goat and the stubborn one who bangs his head against the fence and say, there's more land out there for me to conquer. There's more things that I can do, but this fence is holding me back and he hits his head over and over and over. I wish I didn't have a man of God over my life. I, I wish I didn't have to live by these hard expectations. Why in the world is there this fence? Why in the world? Not realizing that there's enemies and predators out there waiting, waiting to consume you and waiting and says, yes, that's the one I'm looking at. The one who keeps hitting the fence, the one who doesn't like the standards, the one who doesn't like the fence, the one who doesn't like what the shepherd puts to protect you. And my God, and we get upset with the man of God because we place standards and we, Lord have mercy. We start looking at other people and say, well, how come their standards aren't like us? How, how come we, 
How can we have to do all these things that they don't? You're not the man of God. You're not the one who's going to God on your behalf. I don't even know how we got here. I'm so sorry. First lady, I'm sorry. You have to realize, and I'm done with this portion of what I was talking about, but the fence is a good thing. The fence is security. The fence is safety. The fence is knowing that I can lie down in green pastures. And I... You know, sheep don't normally lie down. Sheep normally don't lie down. You know what they, they have in order for them to lie down, the environment has to be made by the shepherd so that they can close their eyes and go into a vulnerable state and say, I'm safe here. Let me tell you, the church is the safest place you'll ever be. The church is the safest place that you can go to. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run in and they're safe. Let me tell you, there's no safer place than living for God. There's no safer place than being holy before God. There's no safer place than being set out and set apart for God's use. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Can you thank God for the fence? Can you thank God for the man of God? have mercy <sighs> and not only can you operate without your coat but can you operate in your gift that God has given you and be completely forgotten about with absolutely no recognition for you to be used and abused can you be used by God see you can use anything, Lord. You can use me. And we tell God, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. But someone asks for a ride and you start. Oh, Jesus. Y'all, I'm just getting things. I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost. I'll take, I'll take blame for it later. God, you can use me. We get through a fire service. Yeah, I'm down to help. Hey, can you help out with impact and, and, and VBS and all these great things? Can you get used by God without God saying thank you? Can you get used by God? And God using you and you feel beat up and you feel like, guess what? You've just been used. Can you feel used and not say that, man, God owes me something. Man, I know I just went to outreach this Saturday. You know what? That means something's coming my way. God called you to save souls. God called you to reach the lost. God didn't say, if you reach the lost, then guess what? I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. That's not what the Bible says. You're supposed to go forth and compel them to come. Can you operate with God? And can you operate and being forgotten about? I want you to think about Joseph. 
he did nothing wrong. He had a dream. It wasn't his fault that he was favored. It wasn't his fault that he was born of Jacob's old age. So he puts the coat on and he's excited and he tells, he tells his brothers about the story and they hate him for it. And, and he goes through all that he goes through. And imagine how he would feel knowing that every time I try to get up, I'm kicked down. You know, he could have went to the chief butler and he could have went to the chief baker who had dreams just like him. And he could have gotten some bitterness in his spirit and said, I don't feel like helping you today because you know what? I had a rough day. You know, it doesn't matter if your day was rough. If God has called you to help somebody, guess what? You better operate and go help somebody. I, don't, I know you might, you had a long day working, but God's prompting you to go invite that person to church. Don't just say, oh, next time, next time, I'll help them later. God's wanting you to do it right now. I can imagine Joseph being, becoming another Ishmael. Ah, these dreams that God's given me, first lady, they don't mean nothing to me. Because you know what? I had a dream and look where I'm at now. We can get so caught up in our storm and our season that we don't even realize that this isn't the end of your story. You know, people, people go and they look at Job and they say, whenever you think of a trial, guess who you think of? Job. <laughs> Every time. But you know what? Job's trial only lasted about two years. And the rest of his life, he lived walking in dominion and blessing and children and double everything that he lost. And we can get in situations where we feel like we've lost things, Pastor Hammond. And we say, you know what? That's it. God's got some. God doesn't have anything for me. I should just draw the line right now and give up. Not realizing that like Brother Stewart said, you're one prayer away. It would be a shame. It would be a shame if I'm praying for my loved ones to be saved. And because in however many years, I've been living for God for 10 years. It'll be 10 years, October 27th. It'd be a shame if I, I don't know, it could be five prayers away, Pastor Hammond, that my dad gets baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. It can be three prayers away where my sister comes to the house of God and lifts her hands and God touches her life. I can be two prayers away from the blessing of God coming forth. But you see, it's the Bible says, don't get weary in well-doing. For in due season, thou shalt reap if you faint not. The race that we're running is not given to the swift. It's for the endurers. You have to endure all these trials because God didn't have an expected end for you to just go and die. God had an expected end for you to be blessed beyond measure. God was giving you an expected end so you can reach your loved ones. Uh, can you imagine maintaining a good attitude when you've been in prison for 10 years with no sign of relief? We get upset. 
we get upset when our trial is too long. Last time I checked, I don't know if you've been in prison for 10 years. Last time I checked, you're still in your right mind. Last time, oh, Lord have mercy. Let me move forward. Joseph helps the butler and the baker. Jesus. And after Joseph helped the butler and baker, he was forgotten about for another two years, Brother Eddie. And then you know the story. Joseph goes before Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a bad dream, and he can't, he can't seem to, to understand it. And so he goes, and finally, after two years, the butler realizes, hey, while I was in prison, I met a man there, and he told me my dream, and it actually came to pass. You know, sometimes God... I'm just not really in my notes tonight. This is weird. I'm usually not like this. But you know, God sometimes has to bring you to the bottom so that you can meet people while you're there. So that when you get elevated, you can say, hey, I remember a guy who helped me out in my time of trouble. I think it's now for me to return the favor and say, let me help him out for all the things he did for me. Amen. Can you pull up the scripture for me? Genesis 41, verse number seven. So now we see, we see that Joseph interprets the dream. <laughs> Joseph interprets the, the dream. And this is what it says. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and the full ears and the Pharaoh awoke and behold, it was a dream. Keep going. Let me just make sure I'm at the, the right place. I don't understand. I'd be writing, typing so fast, I just get excited. I'm sorry, go to verse number 25. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, 37, 37. Just kidding. Turn to your neighbor and say, just kidding. Verse number 37. Oops. And this is what the Bible says. Verse number 37 and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. This was the dream that was being interpreted. And in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Ah, this is what I wanted to get to. And Pharaoh took off his ring and, Pharaoh, and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Now, when you study what a pharaoh would wear, they would usually have skins of a lion wrapped around their waist. 
But not only that, Pastor Hammond, they would have the skin of a leopard put over their shoulders to wear like a coat. So when you would see Pharaoh and you would see that leopard skin, you would understand that that is the Pharaoh. That's the one who's in charge of it all. And uh, Lord have mercy. And you see that word? It says, and Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. That word vestures means garment, means robe. So let me tell you, you know what happened? Pharaoh said, my God, you're in such a place where I'm going to take off my coat and I'm going to give it to you. And so now Joseph puts on the coat of many colors yet again. And this time, Joseph, Joseph's coat can't be taken away by nobody because when the king finally puts the coat on you, there ain't no devil in hell that can take the coat from you. Let me tell you, you might be in a rough situation, but when the king comes and puts the coat on you, when the king comes, there ain't no, your brother and sister can't strip you of that coat. Potiphar's wife can't strip you of that coat. Cause baby, what Jesus gives me, can't nobody take it away. Music, you can come, I'm almost done. Somebody's about to get their coat back tonight. Somebody's about to walk out of this place with their shoulders squared. However, this is not the story for some people. Some of us are like Samuel in some ways. Samuel was a child he was offered unto God to minister at a young age. You know what that tells me? He was a church kid. And you know what? He was born and he was a miracle. So the mom said, God, he's all yours. And you see, Samuel was a growing child. And when a child grows, they outgrow their, their clothes. So Hannah being a good mama, understood that if Samuel's gonna wear this coat, then it's gonna have to be a little big. Because I know he's got, he's got to grow in his calling. Isaiah, you can come out now. Isaiah, where you at? Yes, sir. I'm gonna come down here. I'm done. Yeah, come stand in the front. And you see, sometimes, this is us. God puts the coat on and he says, I know it's a little big, but don't worry, you're going to fill it out. And God's got great things for you because God expects you to grow. God expects you to grow into that coat. God, you know, there might be anointings that you haven't walked in yet, but God puts the coat on you anyway and says, you know what? They're gonna grow into it because I know that they'll obey my voice and I know that they'll do whatever I tell them to do, that they'll grow into this coat. But then some of us are not like that. Thank you, Isaiah. Samuel, where are you at?
want to talk about. This is what God's burdening me about. Turn this way. And this is what I'm burdened about tonight. This is what God deals with me. God was dealing with me with. Is some of us get like this, where we're scared of the bigger coat. We're scared to walk in the anointing that God has called us. And we refuse to grow. And so God forces us to grow. And then suddenly now you're being looked at because you know what? That coat was never meant for you to fit. This coat's not supposed to fit you. But you know what? We push through anyway. And we force ourselves because you know what? I'm comfortable in this coat. I'm comfortable where I'm at. I don't want to grow anymore, God. I, I'm I'm too comfortable. I do all these things. How come I have to do more? God's got a greater coat for you that you don't understand. God's got greater plans for you that you don't understand. But the problem is, is that you're hanging on to the old coat. You're hanging on to the thing. You can stand all across this house. And let me just be real, no wonder why you're frustrated. No wonder why you feel like you can't operate in the way you can operate. Why? Because you've outgrown the coat. You've outgrown that season, child of God. I know you used to do things a certain way, but now we do things a little differently. Now we do things that cause you to expand and grow. we think that we can just stay in the coat all of our lives and we force it to fit turn this way Samuel face everybody I want them to see you look good though just not the coat but let's be real young people uh, I'm just gonna be real you're waiting to get married so then you can put on a different coat. But God's really calling you to get out of the coat now. I'll get married, I'll have kids, and then I'll be everything God's called me to be. God wants to use you in a way like never before, but he can't use you in the coat that doesn't fit. I remember, past, uh, you're good, Samuel. Thank you, Samuel. I remember Pastor Sloss, Trevor. I remember at points where he would sing and the song was over and without saying another word, put the mic down, walk away. And I understand for a while that's okay. But God, the coat started getting a little tighter and he felt the anointing like he didn't the before. And the, the coat started to shrink and he realized, he says, I can't operate the way I wanna operate in the coat that I'm in now. Let me tell you that the season that God is getting ready to bring you in, you can't bring your old coat with you. 
You can't expect to wear a hoodie and go out in the middle of the desert. You'll die. Your coat was meant for last season. And God's got a new coat for you right now. The thing is, is are you gonna quit? Are you gonna keep fighting? Are you gonna keep saying, I like things the old way? I like things when I had more res less responsibility. God, why is it that I have to grow? I'm comfortable where I'm at. God didn't design you to sit in a pew your whole entire life. God didn't design you to be a backdoor Christian. God didn't design you just to be a weekend warrior. God didn't design you. You can't hold on to seasons. You can't hold on to those good old days. You can't hold on to the way that you can't operate the same way you used to operate. There is a harvest coming that we don't even understand because we don't see it. But there are some people right now that God's trying to use you. But the problem is the coat is too tight and you got too comfortable in the coat. You got too comfortable going by the bare minimum. You got too comfortable saying, this is all I need to do and I'll just get by. This is all I need to do and I'll just be okay. Can I tell you that the kingdom of God is always moving? So if you don't jump on board and you stay, if you stay where you're at, you're not going to make it. I'm being real. There, I feel like doing this. I'm nobody special. But there is a young man and a young lady in here. Young lady, I wish I could point you out. And I don't mean it in a hard way. But I look at you and I see the things God has for you. But the problem is, is you're too focused on keeping the comfortable. You're too focused on saying, I just want to do the bare minimum. You're too focused on what's in it for me. You're too focused on, do I really need to go that far? You're too focused and saying, I don't really want to operate that way. Can I tell you something? That when Elisha was anointed by Elijah, that he put the mantle on him and he kept moving. Because you know what he said? He had to make it up in his mind right now. What are you gonna do when I put the mantle? What are you gonna do when I put the coat on you? How are you gonna respond? And tonight I'm telling you, there's somebody here that God's saying, all right, you, I understand. I sent the man of God here because you know what? You got some things that you gotta outgrow. You got some things and anointings that you got to walk into, but I need you to take off that coat that you're so comfortable with wearing. You got to be able to walk in different anointings. You got to be able to say, God, if I need to come to the church and pray, I'll do it. God, if I need to sing, I'll do it.
Stand all across this house. I'm done. Let me tell you, God's got a different coat, a new coat for a different season in your life. The question is, is now that it's here, what are you going to do when it's in your hands? Somebody, you need to decide right now. Right now, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit and be complacent? Or are you going to take off the coat? Take off the comfortable. Take off the way you used to do things and walk in a new coat with new anointing, with new dominion, with new power. What are you going to do, child of God? your normal you got to go past the comfortable come on somebody all across this house young lady God's calling you to higher things God's calling you to deeper levels but are you gonna take off the coat that you're comfortable with what are you gonna do come on somebody all across this house come on somebody something but and we're gonna keep we're gonna keep praying but you can say well pastor Spalazzi you don't understand I made I made mistakes I made mistakes 
Can I tell you of a story of someone who did make a mistake? There was the prodigal son. And he told his father, he said, you're dead to me. I don't want nothing to do with you. And the Bible says that when he came to himself, he realized that I'll do whatever I need to do to get back to father's house. And you know what the father did when he saw him? He ran and he put a coat on him because he realized that I know out in the world you are considered nothing. I know out in the world you were in a pig's pen. I know out in the world you made some mistakes, but let me tell you, you can come to the Father's house and God can put a robe on you and you're still a child of God and you can still walk in dominion and authority. Come on, somebody, can you lift your hands all across this house? Come on, before we leave this place. Come on, somebody, can we pray? Come on, somebody, can you pray? Come on, somebody, can you go before the Lord right now? Can you lift your hands all across this house? Come on, somebody, I came here with a burden on my spirit. What are you gonna do when God's poking you and prodding you? How are you gonna take, how, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna take off the coat? Come on, somebody, lift your hands all across this house. Come on, God's calling you to greater things. God's calling you to greater levels. God's calling you to new dimensions. God's calling you to greater heights. But what are you gonna Get ready. 